1: Salute to Knicks Nation, CP from Knicks Van TV here, and today's podcast is brought to you by Scotch Porter Men's Grooming Products. As you guys know, this is the grooming products that I use for my beard. I particularly use their premium beard wash, conditioner, balm, and serum, and I just love how it makes my beard feel, man. It it feels soft, it's shiny, it's smooth, smells great, and most importantly, they use all natural products. And for all Knicks fan TV, the podcast listeners, you can get free shipping on all orders on $50 or more. And also, they always have sales on their beard collections, so definitely check it out. You're going to want to go to www.scotchporter.com slash hashtag KFTV. That's scotchporter.com slash hashtag Now, your host, CP,
2: the
1: NY Fanatic. All right, here we go. Happy Sunday to Knicks Nation. CP from Knicks Fan TV. My man J from Nick Time Show. Uh, special edition of the podcast. This is another episode of our NBA draft prospect scouting reports. This is the series where we feature special guests, the bloggers, content creators, scouts, and the like who cover a lot of the top prospects of the NBA draft quite extensively. And tonight we have the return of Trevor Magnotti. Uh, he writes for Fan Sided and The Step Back. And tonight we're going to talk about uh, Anthony Edwards, man. JL's Anthony Edwards, uh, one of uh, the the top picks in the draft, potentially the number one pick, but also a guy with a lot of question marks, man. So that's why we want to bring Trevor in tonight uh, to talk a little bit about Anthony Edwards. Trevor, how you doing tonight, man?
2: Doing good. Thanks for having me
1: back. Yeah, man, definitely appreciate it. A lot of the fans, they, they loved the, the Tyrese Halliburton uh, episode that we did, so we figured we, we'd bring you back. Um, so without further ado, l- let's get into Anthony Edwards, man. Um, tell Tell the fans a little bit about Mr. Edwards from Georgia.
2: Yeah, so Edwards is the best scorer in this draft by a significant margin. He's probably the only guy that I would say confidently you can project to be a 20-point-per-game scorer in the league, and he's probably going to be around that level right away. Um, You're going to probably see similar impact as a first-second-year player, as we've seen with guys like Trey Young, like R.J. Barrett, like John Morant as a scorer at the NBA level. Um, he is 6'5", 225, built like Calvin Johnson and kind of kind of plays like that a little bit too when he gets the ball in his hands running downhill, meaning he can get to the rim will if he wants to. Um he has such a quick first step, um, a really good handle as well to throw defenders off balance. And he, when he has a he head of steam, is very difficult to stop going towards the rim and is a very good finisher once he's there. Um, also has a very good shot diversity um he's able to get to a lot of different types of pull-up jumpers which is really exciting um for watching him he has a good three-point shot although i don't think that he's like a true shooter type i think he's going to be more of a guy who's going to mostly go to that off of pull-ups um late in the shot clock is when he's going to go to his uh pull-up three early on Um, but he's definitely a three-level scorer prospect um and i think is probably the best scoring prospect that we have in this draft.
1: There's a lot to like about him, man. As you said, certainly capable at all three levels. I love the I love his quick first step. Um, yeah. Can beat anybody off of the dribble Has the size, Jail is 6'5", 220-something He's ready to go, um, you know, rookie year and, uh, and transition as well You know, obviously from Nick's standpoint That's something that we're looking for Somebody that can continue to push the pace uh, Grab a board and get it and go We've seen RJ um, capable of doing that this year uh, I think Edwards can certainly help us In, in that fashion as well Jails. Oh yeah,
3: uh, yeah, I, I like what he... I like what he can bring to the Knicks as well. Uh, I guess my question for you would be his fit with RJ Barrett. I know it seems like you know he likes to have the ball in his hands. You know, um, with the way he likes to have the ball in his hands, and the way RJ seems to like to have the ball in his hands as well. Do you see any kind of conflict with those two sharing the court together?
1: That yeah, question's for Trevor, right?
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I think the, I think that the fit between those two guys is really. Interesting because it's really going to depend on how they develop. I think right now, initially, I would see some significant problems with putting those two guys together. These are both guys who are most comfortable with the ball in their hands, creating shots for themselves. Um, Edwards probably has a little bit more versatility in terms of his ability as a slasher. Um, You can kind of use him off ball cutting to the rim and he can be pretty effective. Barrett, meanwhile, I think has much, a much better chance of becoming like a pretty good spot up shooter. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, I think my big question is less so the, like his turn, my turn, I, Question which could come up, and more just how do those two guys, if they're working together, get the rest of the team involved? Yeah. Both of them have issues, I think, in terms of their court vision and their feel for the game, in terms of looking for the easy second option when. Their sc- primary scoring option for themselves doesn't present itself or is well defended. I kind of worry about the potential that things kind of get bogged down, and a lot of the other guys on the floor don't really get an opportunity to be involved in lineups where Barrett and Edwards are sharing the floor together. Um, just because I really don't think either of those two guys is a great decision-maker. Barrett, I think, is a little bit better in that regard. I think that Edwards definitely can get some tunnel vision at times um, and really has significant problems with his feel for where his teammates are on the floor. And I think that that would be my biggest question moving forward if that was a pairing. Um would be how does at least one of those guys develop to become kind of the initiator who gets the rest of the offense involved? Because you can have one of those guys. um, I mean, you look at a team like the Toronto Raptors when they had Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, Mm -hmm. both guys who are going to look to get their own shot a fair amount. And DeRozan really struggled to get the rest of his teammates involved, but you had Lowry there to act as the facilitator. You really can't make that work if you have two guys who are kind of black holes on offense. So I worry about that potential fit and whether one of those guys can become a high enough level distributor and facilitator to be able to make a functional offense around
1: those two guys and Edwards took 32% of Georgia's shots when he was on the floor this year JL's 29.5% usage rating that was good for top 5 in the SEC Uh, Trevor you had mentioned his his on court awareness and and that was kind of uh, evident to me when I was watching some of his games and also some of his highlights does it seem like he left some plays out there on the floor Um, a lot of times even in transition you know trying to force a bucket when he had an easier pass to be made I mean I mean, is is that a real concern among some of the people that you're talking to? Or or do you think, you know, that's something that can improve with, with age and maturity?
2: I think you can definitely improve, but it is definitely a concern. You know, he we talked about at the beginning of the of this you know how he's built like a freight train and Mm -hmm. can get to the rim whenever he wants but there's an emphasis put on whenever he wants too many times he tried to operate with fancy footwork on the perimeter throwing a guy off balance and instead of trying to go to the rim where he had almost a sure two points he would take step back threes and Mm -hmm. he would go to um, pull up jumpers and you can You need that in your arsenal if you're going to be a three-level scorer. You need to be able to do that, but it was the frequency with which he did that. When you're built the way that he's built, it's Mm -hmm. almost like he doesn't really have a full understanding of what he's good at, Mm -hmm. um, that he doesn't really get totally what his – biggest strength is, and to me that's less the pull-up shooting and more just the ability to get to the rim at any point, because that's what's going to cave in an NBA defense, that's what's going to open everything else up for the rest of your offense, is not the pull-up jumper, that's kind of a last resort, you need to be able to establish it's kind of like establishing the run in football, you need to be able to establish that rim threat to really matter and I think that that is kind of the biggest concern for him moving forward, is can he be able to get his teammates involved but also can he realize that his best weapon is not the pull-up jumper it is yeah. trying to get into the teeth of the de- teeth of the defense and establishing a high rate of conversion at the rim to be able to set everything else up
3: 50th that's not
1: finished i'm sorry no i was saying jails 50th percentile in spot-up jumpers Okay. 50th percentile in will basketball spot-up jumpers. So def- mm. definitely uh, needs to work on that. And, and as Trevor says, shot selection. You know, having that size to, to know that he can get to the to, to the bucket at will, uh. but instead, you know, choosing some more difficult shots. But go, go, go ahead with your question. Oh, so can – you said he doesn't go to
3: the rim that often, but can he finish at the rim once he gets there? What's like, what's his percentage rate or – or just your eye test, if not the percentage rate?
2: Oh, yeah. He's he's like a 70% finisher at the rim, at, at least. I'm confident that he's going to be able to do that at the NBA level. I mean, he's got really good touch with both hands. He's more right-hand dominant, um, which is a little bit easier to defend. But when you're built like he is and you can dislodge defenders going towards the rim, even bigger guys, he's pretty good at throwing – at. Uh, Blowing by those guys and being able to kind of knock into those guys and keep propelling forward against contact, which is the main thing you want to be able to see. I think that definitely it's more of a decision making issue than a. Uh, skill issue I think that you know when you look at a guy like Trey Young who has the same type of problem where he's a little bit over reliant on the um, on the pull-up jumper you know why that that's happening and it's because he's tiny Um, Edwards I think definitely is able to do that and I think that he's going to have no problems doing it at the NBA level it's just a matter of kind of recognizing what the best opportunity is I mean the play that sticks out for me from Edwards from this season more than any other is he had a play against Tennessee where he was able to catch a big on a switch hit him with a quick crossover got him sprawled all over the court and instead of driving by into an open lane actually took a step back into where the defender had fallen and that ended up disrupting his shot he still made the three but he had an obvious path to the rim and just passed it up to be able to go to a fancy uh, step back jumper and it, it just Plays like that that stick with you when you watch Edwards, um, in terms of kind of wondering what his decision making is going to be like at the NBA level.
3: So it just seems like he just he's more uh, he's not reactionary, seems like he seems like he just yeah, figure out what move he's going to do and Mm -hmm. then he kind of sticks with it no matter what the defense does. He just I'm shooting it no matter what. Got it. Cool. Defensively, though, like how would you say he is defensively? Um you hear that he's a pretty good defender yeah. but I'm not sure how consistent
2: yeah that's kind of the not, that's kind of the read on on Edwards on the defensive end of the ball too is that like when he wants to be he can be a very good on ball defender you know he's very physical he's very tough he's good at denying the point of attack um good good at you know, bumping guys off of their spot. It's really kind of an effort issue with him. Mm -hmm. And granted he was carrying a monster usage for Georgia Mm -hmm. and, you know, that factors into things, but, you know, he's going to be carrying a monster usage in the NBA as well. And you need that a guy like that to at least, you know, try more often than not. Um, Especially when you're built like he is, you want that type of guy to be useful on the defensive end because He's a guy that you can stick on some of the weak guards in the NBA, and if he's locked in, he can defend them pretty well. It's a question of whether or not the team that drafts him is going to utilize him in that way and kind of force him to grow on that end, or if they're going to kind of fall into the typical, you know, star usage on defense, think like a Russell Westbrook type, where Westbrook is a great defender when he wants to be, and he's very good when you stick him on somebody at the point of attack, Mm -hmm. but too often the Thunder and now the Rockets have tried to hide him off ball to try to conserve energy for him on the offensive end, and I think that he's going to have a similar issue to that, where, you know, he is they're probably going to be in the mind of let's try to save him on defense and not have him get worn down by opposing guards. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and I think that he's kind of buys into that as well. So I wonder whether or not he's actually going to be useful on the defensive end, even if, you know, on crucial possessions, he probably is going to be a very successful defender when you if you get him locked in. It's a buy-in thing for him yeah. and a usage thing for him on defense much more than like a physical capabilities thing.
1: Oh, I, I mean, another concern with me is, you know, you, you said a lot of a lot of key words is if he wants to, or if he buys in, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and we're already going through mm-hmm. sort of that motor issue or that question of motor and, and want with Kevin Knox, you know, and here's a kid, you're hearing the same sort of the same things with him is, is, is when he wants to be engaged. And that kind of accounts for some of the defensive lapses and even the offensive, you know, off ball um, miscues on on the court as well as if if he wants to be engaged.
2: Yeah, I think it's much less of a thing like our R.J. Barrett's problem is not effort. R.J. Barrett's Mm. problem is he just fundamentally does not make good reads mm-hmm. as a defender he will just have moments where his brain short circuits and he makes a massive mental lapse that leads to an open bucket edwards doesn't really make those types of miscues it's mm-hmm. more so he wasn't in the right spot or he wasn't giving maximum effort that leads to the ty- the issues that he- lead to him giving up open baskets
1: uh, how about the shooting? Uh, th- does that concern you? I mean, he came in, he's averaging 19 and 5, um, 40% from the field, 30% from three, uh, 53% true shooting percentage. They're running a Princeton offense there at Georgia. So, you know, similar systems that he'll see at the next level. But do you see, do the shooting percentages concern you or do you feel like that was, could have been a product of, you know, maybe he's just a freshman. He's, he's taking a lot of the workload on that team and getting a lot of attention
2: i think it's a shot selection problem i think that a lot of his threes were coming on those kind of complex pull-ups that we've talked about here mm-hmm. that he's using multiple dribble moves to create space and trying to pull up in the middle of the, in the middle of those moves and sequences when he's got a defender off balance and that's inherently a less efficient shot when he actually got opportunities to catch and shoot he Actually looks pretty good. I think that his form is, is pretty replicable. I think that it's very smooth. Um, he gets good lift on his jumper, so I think that he's going to be comfortable shooting over guys that are closing out on him. I think if you put him in more of an off ball role, um, where he's maybe like a one B or number two option for you, I think that he's going to be able to function as a catch and shoot guy. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that in transition, he's really good. He has the best transition pull up free of anybody in the class, um, just his ability to kind of take those couple steps to gather himself and quickly pull up over a defender when he's coming up the floor is really nice. So I think that he has positive spots in, from three. I think it's more like a usage thing in how much he was going to that pull up um, out of you know, complex dribble moves, which are going to drive down your percentages. You know, James Harden is a very good three-point shooter, but he never has had really good percentages because of how much of that he's doing, um, as opposed to, like, standard catching shoots, which are going to hit a higher percentage of. So I think that he's going to be a guy who is an effective three-point shooter and is going to be able to do that on volume, but is probably going to be a guy that who's not going to have like a 38, 39%, three-point percentage for the season. He's probably going to hover more around like 35, 36. And if you're doing that on volume with, with the rest of what he's going to be able to do, I think that's going to be fine.
1: JLC,
3: go ahead and put your uh, next question. Um, Yeah, no, he kind of read my mind with the, with the catch and shoot. Mm-hmm. I do want to kind of go back with the defense, though, because I know you said, um, oh, how's his on-ball defense versus his pick-and-roll defense? Because I know you said there uh he's inconsistent is there like one more stronger than the other is there tactical issues with with uh switching or off ball on ball pick and roll
2: yeah i think i think that he's going to be okay in the pick and roll um again i think that that's kind of a kind of an effort thing is can he put himself in the right uh right spots consistently um I think I think that he's going to be a guy who if you ask him to switch um he's going to be com- comfortable handling different types of guys you know he definitely has the lateral agility and strength combination to be able to handle a lot of guys at the nba level and I think that you can throw him on you know taller guys like if he if they're playing the sixers and he is tasked with defending Ben Simmons on ball I think that he's going to be comfortable doing that and then you can throw him the next play on Tobias Harris and then Josh Richardson and I think you can handle all those types of guys I think again it's just going to be you know it's what he can do but versus what he will do um it's kind of the ultimate question in terms of how well his on ball defense is going to project to the
3: NBA okay and I guess one my other question would to you hear that a lot of people saying he's the, like the, de facto number one. And then you start to hear that people say that maybe LaMelo ball might be that instead of him, where do you stand on Edwards versus ball as far as number one prospect?
2: I can see the argument for either. You know, I think that Edwards is the most talented player in this class. I think that he's the guy who is going to, you know, be the guy, be the guy who makes the most impact in terms of a team's, you know, a team that needs like a number one scorer to build around. He's the guy who I think is going to be that, whereas Ball, I, I can definitely see being more of kind of like either a long-term guy who develops into that role or more of kind of like a like a complimentary guy like his brother is. Um, I think that the... Question is whether or not Edwards is the right type of star that you want to build around. I I have no doubt that he's going to be approaching an all-star level player at the NBA level. It's just a matter of is he the type of guy who you can build a winning team around, or is he the type of guy who can be your number one option? But you're kind of locked into maybe like a sub 500 season if he if you don't put a ton of talent around him. Um, So I think that there's definitely reasons why certain teams, I think, will be gravitating towards Edwards. And there are reasons why other teams definitely will gravitate more towards Towards ball, I think if you're a team like the Washington Wizards, where you're kind of starting over, you don't know what Bradley Beal's going to be long term. You don't know if he's going to be part of part of the team. You don't know if John Wall is going to come back. You know Edwards is a pretty decent idea because that's a team that just needs talent to be able to put on the floor and try to build around something. Um, Whereas, you know, if you're a team like the Golden State Warriors, where you've got that stuff figured out, um, you definitely have star level talent, but you need kind of those middle pieces to kind of be able to complement those guys. I can definitely see you buying into, you know, Wamella Ball being a better fit than, you know, another scorer type who is going to give you a lot of the same issues that like an Andrew Wiggins who they already have on their team would. So I, I definitely think that either is a fine option at number one. Those are the two guys who I would be comfortable taking at number one. There are a couple situations where I think you could argue for some of the other guys at the top, um, certain teams where, you know, if they want to pull the trigger on anyaka Kagwu or uh, Denny Abdija, I could understand it. Okay. But I think that, both those guys it's kind of even and it more depends on who is drafting at the top of this draft um who who i think would be a better fit
1: It's it's very interesting man this draft is totally interesting in terms of the the parity um between all these prospects did you did you guys ever read um john hollinger did a write-up on anthony edwards a couple weeks ago and he did um a couple statistical comparisons did you guys ever see that No, I didn't. I'm just pulling it up right here. So it's interesting. So so he pulled over the last 10 years, he went back and pulled the stats of similar player comps from players that went to uh, major conference schools and so on. So player A, so he did player A, player B, and player C, right, per 100 possessions. Player A had a 21.4 player efficiency rating, uh, 34.1% from three, 56% true shooting percentage, 30 points a game, 10 rebounds, 2.7 assists. Player B had a 22.6 PER, 31.4 from downtown, 53% true shooting percentage, 33.6 points per game, 9.3 rebounds, 4.9 dimes. Player C had the best player efficiency rating, 23.4, slightly lower uh, three-point percentages at 30.8. 53% true shooting percentage, same as player B. 35 points per game, 11.7 rebounds, 6.7 assists per 100. Player A was Andrew Wiggins. Player B was Anthony Edwards. And JL's player C was R.J. Barrett. I knew it. (laughs) I "I had
3: a feeling. I was
1: like, yo. Player C was R.J. Barrett. So, you know, I mean, from a shooting standpoint, I, obviously, you know, not not advantageous to have you know two guys with similar numbers projecting that way in the league, but that I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, those comparisons, and then he, he also pulled out a couple other guys um, statistically, and um, these guys are around. So, I, so I mentioned Wiggins, R.J. Barrett, Tim Hardaway Jr., Shabazz <laughs> Muhammad, Josh Jackson. All right. Dwayne Bacon, mm. Josh Okogi, Malik Beasley. You like him. You've trying to trade for him. Romeo Langford, Alec Burks, Oladipo. All Star. Okay. All right. All right. All right. a little better. Kobe White. Having a good year. Uh, having yeah. a good rookie year. Bradley Beal. Obviously, borderline okay. superstar. Brandon Knight. Oof. And, I mean, cons- that's and, Just and, and KCP.
3: All right, the percentages. <laughs>
1: percentage. I, mean, I mean, listen, you can the point oof. to a high floor. I just, you know, maybe it's just the ceiling's just not clear. Trevor, what do you what do you think about that list? Yeah, I
2: I think that he's on on the higher side. I'm I'm not a huge fan of those statistical comps because, yeah. especially when you're looking at the college level, it more points to the role that that player played mm-hmm. than it does to like any sort of real. Like like statistical outcome in, in the NBA. I mm. mean, you listed off a lot of guys who carry a lot of different roles. Yeah, in, mm. in the league um, with with that list, and I think that when you look at the way that he plays and the way that he wins in the NBA, he or in college, I definitely think he strikes me more as like a Devin Booker type, mm. where you know he's a guy who is going to win a lot in the post is going to uh, win a lot off the dribble and is going to give you a lot of the same issues in terms of incorporating other guys into the offense and kind of being easy to build around, Mm -hmm. I I would say. I I don't Mm -hmm. think that there's any question that he is going to put up numbers in the league. It's just what are those numbers going to mean? So like, I don't think that he's going to be a guy like an Alec Burks who yeah. put up good college stats but has not been able to you know, get to the rim as well, has not been able to put up good scoring numbers as well in the league. I definitely think that he's more on kind of the upper tier as a producer um, statistically along, among those guys you listed. But I definitely think that you know, there's a running theme on a lot of the guys who are good scorers in that crop and it was guys who, you know, aren't really impact scorers mm-hmm. in the league. Um, so that, I think, is kind of where he is going to settle in um, and kind of why that comparison, you know, ma- makes a bit of sense. I-, I think that he's a guy who, you know, he's definitely, I think, going to be a good scorer. It's just what is that going to mean
1: yeah.
2: um, in terms of team Elevated,
1: ele- elevating the whole on, team. on the floor. Good points, good points, man. Um, well, well, Trevor, did JLC have anything else? Nah, I'm still I'm still like scared over the Tim Hardaway. <laughs> <laughs> <He started laughs> Tim Hard- I had a flashback. I had a hey, flashback, ex, ex Mavericks fan, he's an All Star man. So it depends on who you asking, James. Okay, all right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, man, we we definitely appreciate the time. Uh, uh, let the the fans know where they can find you, man.
2: Yeah, you can find me. I my writing at the Step Back. Um, this week I should have something coming out. Uh, ranking all are ranking the top 30 draft prospects of the last decade on looking at not how they performed in the nba but looking back at how they came into the league as college players and who would be the best um who would be the best draft prospects if you threw those all those guys into one draft um what order would they go in um so i'll have that coming out this week you can find me on twitter at illegal screens um and hopefully one day we actually have this 2020 nba yeah, draft. So hopefully, man. yeah hopefully see what i see what ends up coming of this very weird bizarre class that we have this
1: bizarre year bizarre class everything but trevor we definitely appreciate the insight and uh, we'll, we'll certainly flip that article once you release it and, and hopefully we'll have you back on uh as we get closer to the draft man thanks for thanks again for the time yeah, thanks for having me. Alrighty, All righty, man. All right, that was uh, Trevor Magnati of the Step Back fan-sided. All right, Jails, you, you heard from Trevor. You got his insights on one Anthony Edwards. So it's yep. everybody in the chat. What do you guys think? What do you, what do you guys think, man? Well, go, go ahead, Jails. What do you think?
3: I mean, I guess, I mean, it's funny because I've heard a, a lot of breakdowns from Anthony Edwards. So this one was interesting. Thing. Mm. The biggest thing I took away from it maybe is that there is a chance that he can be
1: able to semi play off the ball. Yeah, that's probably which is encouraging, thing. especially yeah, based yeah. off of the usage um, that he's sporting with the, with the you know low field goal percentage.
3: Right, because that's my worry. That's that's pretty much my worry. If we do draft him as talented as he is, he has his mesh with RJ. Yeah. Who's gonna get the ball, who's gonna not. Uh, based on the comparisons, I'm a little more comfortable with ha- RJ having the ball be- because I think he has a better shot of making better decisions. But he-, he typically makes better decisions when he's the point guard and not necessarily the off-ball guard. So um it'll still be interesting to see what that combination would bring if you yeah. do draft Anthony Edwards.
1: It's intriguing, man. It's intriguing. You know, I'll, I'll say this with the with the prospect itself, and then I'll go to the pick. With the prospect, listen, the athleticism is off the charts. Um, the quick first step. The, the kid is a gamer. You know what I mean? He, 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 he tries to be a killer. He, he started late. He was a late bloomer, JLs. Just started really getting into this thing from high school. But okay. the talent the talent is there. I mean, the, even the numbers, despite the low field goal percentage, you, you can't teach those numbers at the college level. Like, the, the kid is a beast. You know what I mean, but you know certain areas of concern. Obviously, the motor situation. How engaged is he, right? Because, like I said, a lot of times when you look at some of these games, you look at some of the film. Some of his bad games, you know, could be attributed to to those things just not really being checked in. Is it Knox level, though? I think
3: that's. I don't don't know. know.
1: I don't know. I'm just saying. I, I just say that the Knox thing was a theme. Yeah, 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 you know what I mean? I can't compare this this kid this kid is a dog, you know what I mean? But I'm just mm-hmm. saying the overall theme of just being engaged and and being checked in uh was something that we're dealing with with Knox and you just hope that this is not something that follows Edwards at at the next level. Understood. Yeah. I don't think it will be.
3: I yeah. don't think it's going to be as bad as as the Knox thing. I think put him in the right situation uh I think he'll be able to perform. If, especially if he doesn't
1: have a, like a lot of the load on him. I think he'll be right. Does the fit with the RJ? Well, tr- well does uh, Trevor's comments on the fit with RJ, does that bother you guys at all? Um, he, he's, he pointed to a lot of similarities in, in their game, which might not translate too well uh, in terms of on-court synergy. Well, the thing is both of them, he said he said that, um,
3: that Edwards is able to cut off ball. RJ is yeah. able to cut off ball too. So I'm not too worried of RJ um, cutting. It's just more of Edwards passing if it's, like, the my turn, his turn thing, which we don't want. Mm-hmm, it's the mm-hmm. Edwards hitting his open his teammates. And even RJ sometimes, like, at the two, he gets a little bit tunnel vision too. Yeah. Then you don't know if that's because, you know, we have Randall and, and other players who just
1: don't give the ball back. once. They yeah, coming. right. <laughs> RJ's <laughs> like, this is my time, man. This is exactly. my time to shine. Let him exactly. fly. Listen. Let it fly. In terms of the pick, if he's there, you got to take him. The, to me, there's no trading down. There's no getting tr- trading up. No, no getting cute. If he's there, if you're one, two, or three, uh, let's say probably one, you got to be about one or two, right? Depending on who's picking where, right? You, you got to pick him. You know, because yeah. at this point, we can't get too cute and just go with fit. We got to go best play available because we're also we we're lacking talent on this team.
3: I feel like that's the point. You definitely got. I feel like you gotta start, Frank, if that happens, man.
1: You would think I, so. I, I, you have to start. You, Frank you would think RJ so. And, and um, R.J. Edwards. Randall, Peyton, Edwards.
3: Yeah, you, I feel like you have to start, Frank, man. But who knows what's gonna happen this offseason. season? Yeah, if Peyton is still here or not. Uh, who's, who knows? Leon Rose, let us know.
1: <laughs> you You would really need that capable stretch for that consistent stretch for. If you're, getting, need that. if you're getting to Edwards, you need that, period. But I'm just saying, if you're getting to Edwards, you really need that. You know, Start Bobby. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that one, man. I don't know, but this this, this is going to be very interesting, JLs. So a lot of these GMs are basically going to be drafting, not necessarily blind, because you still got tape from the season, right? But mm-hmm. no March Madness, no conference tournaments, especially for Georgia. They weren't going to make the NCAA tournament without winning the SEC conference tournament. But just not having that film on them, the international guys not having as much as you would like, it's going to be very, very interesting to see um, how these guys evaluate the talent, and from a Knicks standpoint, Jay Ellis, does Ninja P get retained for this? Yeah, man, I kind of is Ninja P going to be in the war room whenever this draft takes place?
3: I know people are kind of down on him with the draft, but I don't think he's as bad as people are saying. Because Like, we got Mitch because of Ninja P, man. like Ninja Yeah, Ninja. Uh,
1: if you look at Mitch at ISO, you can say, okay. But, you know, obviously the Knox pick people are still down on as com- right, as man. they compare him to uh, Michael Porter Jr. and SGA as well. So, this I is still we, left to be seen, man. It still has to be seen.
3: I kind of feel like when it comes to the second round picks, those gems, those cheat gems, I feel like that's when we can really do some damage. And I feel like... Our guys, our scouting team has been done a decent job. I'm still, I'm still really wanting to see what's gonna happen when we get um, Iggy up here, man. Because even yeah. Spencer was talking about how he feels like Iggy will be the uh, our highest value pick that the Knicks has ever drafted. And um, interesting, I just to see what he does. Remember we said that? Interesting, interesting. And I asked him too. I was like, even over Mitch, and yeah. he kind of like paused a little bit. And I felt like mm.
1: he was still thinking that he might be a higher value pick. Tri- why you pick out at the second round in Mitch on a big board? Say, Nick's. Let's say the Knicks are picking, so let's say they're picking second. Let's say Golden State goes Wiseman because would they go Edwards? I don't really see it. Maybe they do, but let's say they go Wiseman and number two's there. Knicks, Den, I feel like they might go Denny, yo. Who Warriors? Yeah, certainly possible. Certainly, probably I feel like that's the best fit to me. I got to think with them. How motivated are they to flip that pick with Wiggins for a Towns or Beal? You know, do they try that again? No. Well, obviously, you wouldn't flip the Wiggins for the Towns, but maybe, maybe a Beal trade. Like, do they really? Do they want to go young with, with this draft pick, or they do they want to package that for that's an established star? Question. That's a great question because,
3: to be honest with you. I'm not even sure they really wanted the Wiggins pick that man, that bad. Do you think they?
1: I don't, I think, don't so. think so. I think that was just another asset they were collecting. Exactly. You know, just like Russell, I think they they're trying to flip this into something that they can eventually be happy with. I agree with you. I agree with you, but I don't feel like Wiggins is that big of a
3: value pick either. So I don't know
1: yeah. what flip that. Well, anyway, all right. So let's say they they pick Wiseman. So at number two, Knicks are there on the clock. You got Edwards. You got Lamelo. Some of you guys, you got Killian. Some of you guys that rate him as highly, you got Obi there. Mm. What what would your, your big board ranking look like between Edwards, Lamelo, Killian, Obi, top, those, those four uh, for the Knicks? How would you prioritize that? Man,
3: I think I'm gonna go Edwards, Lamelo, Kill. I already know mine. Edwards,
1: I'm, yeah. I'm Lamelo, Killian, Obi. Edwards, Lamelo, Killian, and Obi. Yep. Ugh. Interesting, interesting. Edwards, Lamelo, Killian, Obi. I would, I Edwards, think I, yeah, I would go. I think I would go the same. I would go the same. I would go the same. I, Edwards, I would go no. the same. Because Edwards, like I said, the talent you, you gotta, you gotta take, you gotta take the talent on and figure it out later. Uh LaMelo, I'm going because I just feel like he's the best playmaker in the draft. Right. And, yes, the fall is an issue, but is a concern, but, you know, can't get any worse. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what JL said. Can't get any worse. Then I'll go Killy and then I'll go Obi. I, I think Obi's probably the safest pick. Yeah. Obi or Edwards are, are probably the safest. Edwards having the most talent. And then, obviously, LaMelo and, and Killian certainly fit one of your needs.
3: Yeah, I kind of feel like OB and OB would fit as well, well, too, man. I feel like OB would fit pretty well. With no problems. LaMelo would fit pretty well. I think um, if there was an off day, his pops would uh, provide some entertainment for the post-game live show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And get the coach fired. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So this is like, you know... Like if, if the Knicks going on another crazy losing streak and then LeVar hits the, the internet and the media,
1: it's going to be late in postgame line. So that's, that's an extra, you know what I'm saying? It's interesting, man. Absolutely interesting. But Hey, let's see. Let's see what happens. Chales. Um, You know, we're still at a standstill in terms of the league, but uh, did you read this article with ESPN? So ESPN has been watching closely, not ESPN, the NBA has been watching closely what China has been doing with their basketball league or what they're trying to do in terms of reopening um, the league. And so now the NBA is considering basically setting up camp in two cities (laughs) where all the teams can go to, to practice and then ultimately play their games between two arenas, man. I don't see that one working, it With no fans. Play, again, play in front of no fans in two empty arenas in two cities that would house all the teams. I mean, listen, CP.
3: I know it's not ideal. No fans. But at this point, I think basketball is basketball. People just want something at this point.
1: People like, just want something, man. I, I just don't see it working. Remember that, I mean, the Players Union has to agree to all these things, all these changes. You know, <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's, it's gonna get very interesting. But uh, and Dolan has Dolan has coronavirus too, JLS. Yeah. Dolan has coronavirus. You got Starberry out here trying to source 10 million uh, face masks from China. I like it. He's, He's trying to be the plug. Starberry yeah. trying to be the plug to save us. Yeah, we all need the plug, man. We Starberry all need the plug. He's, he's the ambassador to China If anybody yeah. can do it, he can Absolutely Absolutely man So anyway uh, We'll be back JL's Wednesday night Let's do the Q&A again man Meet UCK2K Thought the last episode was great That we did last Wednesday So let's do it again We're gonna end this one early But for everybody in the chat Let us know your thoughts Anthony Edwards uh, The rest of the draft series You can catch it uh, After the show So make sure you catch up On the full series and uh, yeah, Wednesday night, JL. So, you want to shout out, man? Yo, shout out to everybody in the chat, hold me down.
3: Fitz, Alexander, editor, hold me down as well. John Talento, I like you too, man. You jumping, chat, chat. A guy, Young Simba, is back. yeah. Shout out to you, my guy. Gregory Lee. <laughs> my guy, Will from L.I. Always show me love. Shout out to you guys as well. Yeah, everybody, everybody
1: represents Yeah, sure. Absolutely man And uh, remember to everybody in the chat Salute to everybody in the chat Remember these shows are available in audio podcast format Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, and Stitcher That's all on the Knicks Fan TV You can catch the links in the chat So remember that they're also available in audio podcast format for your convenience Salute to all the mods once again Pow, Delano, TM, Dave, uh, Jack Peters Everybody that came in Alexei, I see you Delano, Jason M. Appreciate it. Uh, they want to do the next series on Tyrese Maxi JLS. Okay, maybe maybe we do Ty. Maybe maybe we just capture all three of those Kentucky guards in one episode. You got Hagen's quickly and Maxi. Well, maybe we'll get uh, a Kentucky blogger as somebody. Uh, we'll check with Spencer see what his schedule is looking like. But uh, maybe we'll get somebody to cover the Kentucky players. I know people still want to talk about James Wiseman as well. Hmm so uh, a couple more but yeah whatever you guys want to request throw it in the chat or throw it in the video after we go off the air and remember to catch up on the previous shows you can hit the i icon at your top right hand side of the screen and catch up on the previous shows that we did so we'll see you guys uh wednesday night man be safe out there
4: peace everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium